Luke chapter 8 is where we're going this morning, verse 22. Yeah, that was, uh, that lady was quite a testimony of God's grace and, and power. And when she called upon the name of Jesus and he saved her, changed everything. It's a good word. It'll preach, won't it? It's a good word. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. If you will stand, which is our custom in this house, as we read God's word. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now it came about on those days that he and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended upon the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. And they came to him and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for your word. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for your gospel that is a message of deliverance and hope. We thank you, Lord, that we've come here this morning, many of us maybe even brokenhearted and in need, And yet, God, we can come into this place and and sense your presence and your pulling and your wooing. And, Lord, we ask that in this time as we look at your word that, God, you would speak to us. That, Lord, you would give us a divine word from heaven that would go beyond anything a man could say. And, God, it would be from heaven itself and it would bring life. And, God, we would be able to, to give all glory and honor to you. So, Lord, we commit this time as we study your word and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 starts off, and it came about on those days. It's very interesting as I was reading this passage of Scripture, I've never thought about this or seen it as such, but on those days jumped out at me. It was as if Holy Spirit was saying, there's something special about this day, upon this specific day. There is another account of this story. It's found in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And in that passage of Scripture there, the author says, on that day... Your translation may even say, on this certain day. But it was definitely a day that had been pointed out by Holy Spirit. It was definitely a day that had been highlighted as if to say, this is not like an ordinary day. This is not the same old, same old. I don't know about you, but I get into the holidays and every day begins to blur into one another. I found myself even asking this week, what day is it? I'm not really sure because of the holidays and all the family and all that we're doing, we're just so busy and, and this blending of time and, and, well, goodness gracious, we just lose sight. We get to going so fast and so furious. The Holy Spirit began to stir in my heart and say, I want to bring attention to something. I want to bring attention to this day. I want to bring attention to where we're at at the end of this year. I want to bring attention to the fact that we're entering into another year, a package of days called a year. I want to bring attention to this and say, this is not another normal, same old, same old. 
but I have specific purpose and plans and destiny and, and, and an agenda that I want to speak to you about. And I want to stir and encourage the, the children of God to awaken and to be sensitive to this, which means that we must give our attention to God. We must give our attention to his spirit. We must ask him for a sensitivity to listen to his voice and to hear what he's saying and the things that he desires to do in our hearts and our lives throughout this upcoming year. And even in this day today. We must be a people that understand that every moment is ordained and called by God and is precious. And not to get lost in the ravel of life but to be sensitive to him and understanding that he is desiring to do something. And when he decides to do something, it's very special. It's very, very special. So may we have eyes to see and ears to hear as the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and that we would not live our lives in such a way that we're just the same old, same old. that we would treasure each moment. And going into this new year, go in with an alertness to say, God, what is it that you desire to do and release in my life and in my church and in my family that you have set for these days? So it's a special day on that day, on this certain day. Well, it is interesting. The scripture begins by saying that on these days, on this day, on, that he and the disciples got into the boat and they said, let us go to the other side of the lake. The lake that they're making reference to is um, Lake Gennesaret, often called Sea of Galilee or the Tiberias Sea. It is a, uh, a boat that they're stepping into. As most commentaries would say that it was that of a fishing boat, about 27 feet long, 8 feet wide, not a very big boat. If you think of Jesus and the disciples and those that are manning the boat, that's a lot of people in a little boat. And they're going across this lake. And and, uh, this lake, you would think, well, how big is that? Well, I did some research. I Googled. And I found out that it's eight miles wide. So they were on an eight-mile trek. (laughs) And they were going across the land or across the sea there when a storm comes. And you know this story and you know it well. The storm begins to cause the winds to blow strongly and the the waves to begin to pour over into the boat and and the boat is being sloshed around and and men are struggling trying to man the boat and and somebody says, Jesus! And they said, yes, Jesus, we need to go get him. And so they run and they, Master, Master, you must wake up! And the words that they use are this, we are perishing. They were in great danger. And they were overwhelmed. And they were fearful. Their circumstances, the situation that they were in, was something that was awful. It was indeed a storm. And I begin to think about that and just begin to think about even my own life and how the storms of life grip my heart at times. And fear... And worry keep me up at night sometimes. And isn't it a funny thing how when you're laying there in your bed and all these worst case scenarios become as if a reality inside your heart that you can't sleep and that you're worried and you're struggling 
and you're thinking the worst because the storm is great and the potential for great danger is there. The problem being, though, that the master, we forget that the master is in the boat. We forget that he is there with us. I want to I give you some scripture that I believe the Lord would remind us of today in those times. Psalm 46, verse 1. Listen to this. And if you are in a storm right now, my prayer is that this will minister to you even now. Psalm 46, verse 1. Our God is our refuge and a strength and a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the hearts of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There is a presence of God that can come in and remove all fear and worry. It happens during worship so often. Many of us find ourselves coming into church maybe a little frustrated or or nervous or struggling with some kind of storm or something in our lives, and it happens when we begin to worship the Lord. We begin to put our attention off of the storms and we lift them to the Lord that all of a sudden there is a calm that takes place. It's because of God. It's because he is our help, our refuge, our strength. Psalm 55, verse 17. Morning and noon and night, I cry out in distress, and the Lord hears my voice. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me. Call upon me in the day of your trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. What a comfort that is. What a strength that is that we can call upon the name of the Lord, that we can cry out, Master, Master, and he comes and changes all things. And on that day, that day in the boat, Jesus rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and it stopped, and it became calm. And it's interesting, on that day, there were several things that took place. If you read Luke chapter 8 in context, you begin to understand that on that day, it truly was something of a highlight. Because on that day, they arrived to the other side of the, um, the lake, and, and they got off the boat, and they entered the shore. And the Bible says that a man came up, a man that was demon-possessed, a man that was troubled, a man that was tormented, a man that was held captive mentally, physically, obviously spiritually. He had been absolutely demonized. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8 that he was without clothing and walking around in chains that had been busted because of the struggle that men had bound him up to try to keep him from hurting himself and others. And the the scriptures say that he would rage and break the fetters. Just absolute torment. Frailing before the Lord. Demonic presence. When Jesus addressed it, he said, what is your name? And the answer was legion, because there were thousands of demonic pressure and offense coming against him. Can I just tell you something this morning? We're in spiritual warfare. We are in spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the principalities of darkness. That principalities of darkness is demonic. 
Our minds get fed thoughts and things all the time that are plants from the enemy to come against us. And what's the, the problem is that oftentimes we will take those thoughts and begin to entertain those thoughts, giving thus the enemy power that he doesn't have. I want to remind you, I believe the Lord wants to remind you of a couple of things concerning the enemy. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he would destroy the works of the devil. Satan is not an equal rival to God right now. Many times in our minds we think that the enemy comes against us and, oh, we just have to survive because the enemy's so big and so grand. I'm telling you, he's a defeated foe. We sometimes get into these wrestles of life and we, we give too much credit to the devil. And then we often think that the Lord is somehow battling this devil and the fight is going back and forth. I want to tell you this morning, the devil has already been defeated. His works have been destroyed. God is the victor. We have the problem because we don't believe that at times and we give the enemy too much credit. The enemy comes and he whispers a lie and we take it and we believe it and we begin to feed it and then thus the power of the enemy comes. But it's not because he hasn't been defeated. The word of God says that he's been destroyed. So I want to tell you this morning, the devil in all his might is nothing but a fallen angel that has been smeared and destroyed and made a public uh, example to all of failure. Listen to this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Jesus has delivered us from the darkness, the domain of darkness we have been delivered from, and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. We are no longer, as children of God, held under a kingdom of darkness. Oh, come on, folks. We give the enemy too much credit. And we live our lives as if we're somehow under the oppression of the darkness. But we've been delivered from that. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Jesus, having canceled out our certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, and which was hostile to us, he has taken it away, having nailed it to the cross, when he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, those being the demonic forces, and made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him, Jesus. Yes, we are in spiritual warfare, but yes, we have overcome. And our identity is that of being an overcomer. Not being overrun by the enemy. Do you know that the the word of God teaches us that we are not to be on the defense of the devil, surviving as if just to make it through the day because we're under some kind of oppression, but he has called us to be on the offense. It is we, the church, that storm the gates of hell. We are the ones that kick in the gates and destroy the works of the enemy. Too long, too long, the kingdom of darkness has ruled and reigned in areas of our lives. Too long we have made excuse and said, well, it's just my, 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 my call in life to just survive as a Christian. I'm telling you this morning, what Jesus did on the cross was enough to wipe away the assignments of the enemy. They do come with whispers and darts, but we then pronounce and proclaim what is true. And that is, you are a defeated foe. Our God is great and Jesus is mighty. I want to tell you something this morning. On that day, after having crossed the lake, Jesus cast out the demonic. Jesus cast out 
the devil and all these tormenting spirits. And the one who was tormented and the one who was physically being destroyed, the one who was spiritually being uh, ripped apart, was set free. Oh, it shook the community. Oh, this crazed man is now sitting at the feet of Jesus and receiving life as a man who has tasted of, of, of something that has bringing fruit in his life. He's, he's there gazing at the Lord and desiring to walk with the Lord and forever changed, and it scared the people. Because when Jesus cast out those devils, he threw them into a herd of swine. And the Bible says that the herd of swine went down the bank and, and jumped into the, the waters and drowned, and word began to spread all over. And people were so gripped by fear, the Scripture says, that they asked Jesus, please depart from us. Can you imagine God working and doing miraculous things and setting the captive free? And the people gripped with fear saying, please depart from us, this is too much. The Bible says that Jesus got in the boat. He and his disciples, and they returned. They crossed the lake to the other side. Oh, it's beautiful. For when they get to the other side of the lake, there is a huge crowd of people waiting for Jesus. They've heard his stories. They've heard the testimonies and they welcome him and they, uh, they listen and he gets off the boat and he begins to walk through the crowd and, and they're just wanting to, to see him and hear and there's so much excitement in the air. A man by the name of Jairus comes broken and says, my daughter... My daughter is sick. My 12-year-old my daughter is sick. And teacher, would you please come? Would you come and, and just speak over her? Would you just come and touch her? Would you bring some kind of life? And the Bible says that Jesus began his journey to this house when all of a sudden there was a woman, a woman with an issue of blood, a woman that had been hemorrhaging, the Bible says, for 12 years. My goodness, I struggle for 12 hours and I'm crying. 12 days, pretty rough. 12 months, that's a year. Aye, 12 years. This woman hemorrhaging with an issue of blood and it cost her greatly. She was considered unclean. She was considered filthy. And we don't see this in the text, but I can only imagine maybe she was married and had a husband. Maybe she had children, only to find that she's with this sickness and now being cast away from her family. Because of her uncleanness, she could have no contact. And families being separated. And this woman being taken away from her family, from her, from her children, not being able to have contact. As an outcast, because seen as dirty and cursed by God. And so therefore an outcast kept away from everyone. And she didn't even do anything. But the shame and the guilt and the hopelessness and the brokenness and I couldn't help but think, dear Father, how many of us are broken? How many of us are full of shame? 
How many of us feel alienated and, and separated because of the sin in our hearts and our lives? How many of us don't really feel like we can be a part of family any longer? I want to give you some scriptures to consider that I believe the Lord would say to us this morning. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Jesus, will be saved. That word saved in Greek is sozo. I mention it all the time because it means salvation. It means deliverance and it means healed. I want to tell you, if you'll call upon the name of the Lord and call out to him, he can change your circumstances. He can change your, your condition. He can change the, the definition in which people have put on you. He can remove the shame. He can remove the guilt and he can remove the hopelessness. Another one, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7. This is a Messianic Old, Old Testament passage. It says, instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you'll rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion. Everlasting joy will be yours. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And the grace, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a while, will himself restore you. And make you strong, firm, and steadfast. On that day, on that day, having crossed the lake, there was a woman with an issue of blood that was in the crowd and heard that Jesus was going through. And she began to say to herself, if I can just get to him, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, could it possibly be that this one that I've heard about that delivers and sets free and, and changes lives and, and breaks chains and, and heals, could I just get to him? If I just touched the hem of his garment, could something happen? And the Bible says that she pressed through and touched the hem of his garment. Immediately, Jesus says, who touched me? Who is it that touched me? And his disciples looked at him like they were crazy. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Everybody's touching you. And he says, no, there is one that touched me and power left me. There's one that's, that's been touched here. Who is it? Once this woman touched the hem of his garment, she was immediately healed and she knew it. But she was hesitant. But he persisted. Who is it that touched me? She raises her hand and she begins to tell him, it is I. And the moment I touched you, I was restored. The moment I touched you, I was made whole. The moment I touched you, you touched me, something changed. All that has been gone and lost and stolen from me is now restored. How wonderful, how wonderful it is. And I can only imagine that the crowd began to shout and tears running down her face and the joy that was there because of the one that was hopeless and helpless now made whole. And in that same moment, someone comes running up and says, Jairus, it's over. It's over. It's too late. Your daughter has died. 
Can you imagine the swing of emotion from jubilation and exaltation and, and shouting and praise and all of a sudden now hearing that, Jairus, your 12-year-old daughter is dead. It's too late. Tell the teacher not to come. There's no need. It's a done deal. And I just couldn't help but think to myself, how many times have I quit trusting and believing God because of what I heard and saw in the natural? And the reports that were given and the things I held on to and began to believe, and I immediately would take my eyes off of God and go, oh, this is bad. I don't understand the Lord. I know this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. My dear friends, this is great news. Because my life is not my own. I belong to Him. I'm putting my trust and hope in Him. And the things that I walk through, I walk through because He's right there with me, holding me and carrying me. I don't get it. His ways are higher than mine. His ways are much higher than mine. But Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 says, God is speaking, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher Through the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Trust me. And on that day, because he had gone to the other side of the lake, Jesus began to walk to Jairus' home. And the scriptures say that Jesus walked in with just a couple mom and dad, and went into the room and took that 12-year-old daughter that had been pronounced dead and said, Arise. And the scriptures say that she arose. And Jesus then said, Get this kid something to eat. Because all 12-year-olds love Cheetos and sour cream. (laughs) get this girl something to eat she's back on that day Jesus brought life to what was considered dead now listen to me some of you have written people off as being dead Some of you have written yourself off. I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus crossed over the lake. And on that day, he touched hearts and lives. And what's so beautiful about this message is that he is still alive and well. And he is here in our midst And I don't know the struggles or the storms that you face. I don't know the torment or the oppression that you engage in. I don't know what circumstances you've already written off. But I can tell you this. Jesus is still alive. And he's still moving. And he's still bringing salvation. And he is is mighty 
He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has all authority over all things. There are no kings, there are no rulers that are greater than him. But it is he that reigns, as we sang earlier. He reigns. He reigns. And as long as he reigns, you and I have great hope this morning. For we've already heard that he is our help in time of trouble. And then if we'll call upon his name, we will be saved. We've already heard this morning of how he can take a desolate situation and turn it and bring life. And this morning, I want to say to you, as I did at the beginning of this service message, (laughs) be alert. Be sensitive to the time. The Lord would say to us in this day and in this hour, and I believe going into 2019, watch, watch. I want a prophetic word from the Lord that says I never have to suffer, have a struggle, have a pain, never have a problem. I just want to to sit in my lounge chair, eat popcorn, watch football games, and be blessed. No. No. There is great pain in this earth. There is great struggle in this earth. But I want to tell you this morning, our God is faithful. And his word to us is, get in the boat with me, let's go to the other side. Let's go. I've got great adventures for you. I've got all kinds of wonderful things for you. You see, in John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light. And in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you, my children, you are the light. The beauty is that we walk with a risen Savior, a mighty God who delivers and sets free those that are in captivity, which may be some of us in this room even now. And there is great hope. And I know this. We know people that are in great captivity and struggle. And God would love for us to to walk in his light and share that gospel, that good news, that salvation that comes forth through knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him. There are no barriers, no walls, no fetters too strong that your God can't break to set a person free. We write people off, but I will tell you what, God doesn't. His power can break through anything. When he looks at an individual, he says, oh, that person's too strung out on drugs. I can't touch that one. Really? Oh, that person is, is, has lost their mind. They're out of control. They're cursing everybody. It's over. I give up on them. No, I want to tell you something. When Jesus came and died on the cross, he saw it all. And he paid a price so that all of it could be dealt with and washed and cleansed. And the Bible says for those that would call upon his name, because of what he did for us, with no salvation. I want everybody to be saved, but I'm telling you, not everybody's going to call on his name, but I want to get as many as I can to do it. I want to tell people, look, Jesus is the way. Call upon his name. He's the one that can set you free. He's the one that can heal you. He's the one that can deliver you. I want to be a carrier of the message that there is hope when the world says that there isn't. I want you to be a carrier of the good news.
that Jesus can break the chains of bondage off of individuals' lives, that they no longer have to be bound or pushed around or beat up by some small demonic presence that's already been defeated. This morning, I believe there are two kinds of folks in here. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of different kinds of folks. But I think this message is for some that are broken and hurting and helpless and needing a touch from God. And you just need God to move in your life. I want to boldly say this morning, he can and he will if you'll call upon his name. Don't leave in the same bondage that you were in when you came in this place. Because God is here and wanting to move in your life. I also want to say that there are some of you that if we are not careful, we will fall asleep in routines and it'll become the same old, same old. Days will begin to blend together. Years will begin to blend together and we'll forget and lose the beauty of the moments that God gives to us. And you're here this morning, you want to say, God, awaken my spirit that I may burn with a passion to be about my father's business. This morning, God wants to stir us. God wants us to not just spill in to the next year, but he wants us to run in with his power and his might. Let's pray. Let's ask him. Father, we come to you this morning based upon your word and what is true. Lord, forgive us for believing the lies of the enemy and for surrendering our passions to things that will never bring us life. Lord, I hear you saying, where is your faith? Where is your faith? God, forgive us for putting our faith in things. Forgive us for putting our faith in others. Forgive us, God, for putting our, our, our faith in our own abilities and strengths. God, this morning, we want to align with your word. and We want to align with you and say that our faith is in you and you alone, my God. It is you that changes us. It is you that sets us free. So, God, we surrender to you this morning. We ask, Lord, that as we begin to open up our hearts, even now, God, that you would touch and set the captive free, that you'd bring healing and restoration, not only to us, God, but to our families, to our community, God, to our city. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. The worship team is going to begin to just...